Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Um, <clears throat> title of the sermon is Experiencing God or How to Experience God. I was reading through uh, in the Lake Union Herald about an, an article by a missionary, and it reminded me of this Bible study that we had done. And so as I went through the Bible study again, I became you know, impressed to, uh, to deliver it as a sermon. Um, the name of the Bible study is Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Um, occasionally it's offered here. I would re- highly recommend it. I'd put it in the life-changing categories, you know, as far as Bible studies. Um, what I got out of it was so much more than what I had put into it. Um, it's based on, uh, he has uh, seven realities for experiencing God. Um, and so we're going ex- to explore each of those and then a little bit of the application of how it's applied. But before I get started, let's, I'd like to have a short prayer to get us started and then, uh, and then we'll continue on. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come and spend time together with you and your word. We'd ask that we that you would humble us and open us so that we would become more like your son. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the seven realities of experiencing God. Number one, God is always at work around you. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. God's invitation to you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief which requires both faith and action. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing, and you come to know God through experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. So the goals of the Bible study were to believe God to be and do everything he has promised, to adjust your character, beliefs, and behavior to him and his ways, to hear when he is speaking to you, to identify his activity in your life, to recognize the direction he is taking in your life and identify what he wants you to do through your life, and to experience God doing only what God can do through your life. Uh, before we get too far into those, we should see if these um, seven realities have examples in the Bible that we could follow and, and know that we're uh, going down the right path. So I thought we'd look at uh, Moses and the Exodus. Um, the Passover has just occurred, so it would be very interesting that we're actually looking through the, uh, through the Passover and uh, Moses' experience with God. I'm going to camp out in Exodus for, for some time, so if you wanted to go, you can follow through along. So reality one, God is, was already at work around Moses. So in Exodus 2, 23, 24, and 25, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. 
And we always talk about how uh, Job lifts back the curtain of the great controversy, and we can see the inner workings. Well, here's another glimpse behind the the uh, the curtain. Here, the Israel was in bondage, and they cried out, and God already had a plan for them. And I think that gives us hope when we cry out in our bondage that God has a plan and a deliverer and something in store for us that, that we just have to have faith and trust that, that it will happen. So reality two, God pursues a loving relationship that is real and personal. In Exodus 24, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up with me unto the mount, and be there, and I will give these tables of stone, and a law, and commandments which I have written, that thou may teach them. And Moses went up to the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord bowed upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, And on the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and gate up with him unto the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Reality three, God invited Moses to become involved with him in his work. In Exodus three, God says, I am come down to deliver them, the the Israelites, out of the land of the out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Prezites, and the Hivites, and the Jebudites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And in reality, four, God spoke to reveal himself and his purposes and his ways. In Exodus 3, And an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld, and the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not. Now I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not in hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large, to a place of the... And reality five, God's invitation for Moses... To join him in his work led Moses to a crisis of faith that required both faith and action. And we'll pick this action up in Exodus 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeareth unto thee. And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, Neither heretofore nor since hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he said, O my Lord, I pray, 
I pray thee by hand of him whom will thou send. And in uh, reality six, Moses had to make major adjustments in his life to join God in what he was doing. And we can read about this in Hebrews 11. By faith, when he had come of years, refused to be called by faith, Moses, when he had come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, fearing not the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest that he be lest that he be destroyed, the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. In reality seven, Moses came to know God by experience as he obeyed God and God accomplished his work through Moses. And we read this in Exodus 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore thou crieth unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And thou lift up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went unto the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them to their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, even all the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning reappeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them, unto their right hand and unto their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And the Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So we've seen... The, the seven realities. God was already at work when he called Moses. God pursued a loving relationship with Moses. God invited Moses to become involved with him in his work. God spoke to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And God's invitation for Moses to join him in his work led Moses to a crisis of belief that required both faith and action. Moses had to make major adjustments to join God in what he was doing. And Moses came to know God by experience as he obeyed God, and God accomplished his work through Moses.
As we look at these individually, reality one, God is always at work around you, identifying his activity in your life. There are things only God can do. God draws people to himself. God causes people to seek him. He reveals spiritual truths. He convicts the world about sin and guilt. He convicts the world of righteousness, and he convicts the world of judgment. What God initiates, God completes, and other tasks, when compared to the work of salvation, they pale into insignificance. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. It is all about the relationship. God created us for an eternal love relationship. We are with him right now to forever. And, and that's a comforting thought, to know that God is with us now, and he's going to be with us forever. There's a Greek term, kononia, um, which is fellowship in the deepest sense. You cannot be in true fellowship with God and out of fellowship with other believers. The essentials of kononia are that you love God totally, you trust God, you submit to his sovereign rule, obey. Um, whenever I see the word obey, I always think about the Ten Commandments, Yul Brenner, when he says, what, me, obey? And, um, and then we learn that he should have. Um, so we submit to a sovereign rule. We experience God personally. We experience God with our spouse, with our children, and with other believers. How to, how to know if you're drifting from God? Um, speaking of the relationship, um, there's a couple of key points. One is you no longer hear from God. You've lost your joy. You do not produce spiritual fruit. You no longer have victory in your life. And there are three ways to drift from God, like the parable. You have the lost sheep. You could turn aside due to distractions. The lost coin could be careless not taking precautions, could be the lost son intentionally choosing to rebel. So how to return to God? First, confess. Agree with God that your sin is awful and repent. Turn away from your sin. One of my favorite Bible passages comes from Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. What a, what a wonderful promise to, uh, that he has given us. Reality three, God invites you to become involved with his work. A call to a relationship with God is a call to be on a mission with him. We know God by experience. God always works through his people. We know Noah was involved in judgment, Abraham, nation building, Moses, delivery, Paul, church building, Jesus, our salvation. God's revelation is our invitation. And if we go back to John chapter 5, we have Jesus' example. And Jesus answered them, and my answered them, my father is at work 
until now, so I am at work. Amen, amen. I say to you, a son can do, cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For what he does, his son will do also. For the father loves his son and shows him everything that he himself does, and he will show him greater things than these, so that you may be amazed. And, th- and that last clause is uh, interesting. All this is done so that you may be amazed, so that you may be amazed, and others will be amazed. Notice that the end of, uh, at the end of the Exodus, um, when, uh, when the Egyptians, or when the Israelites had passed through, and Israel saw the great work with the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant. So by experiencing God, we will help others to believe. So in Jesus' example, we know we pick out some of the key points. The Father has been working up till now. Now the Father has me working. I do nothing on my own initiative. I watch to see what the Father is doing. I do what I see the Father doing. The Father loves me. He shows me everything. And he gives me God-sized tasks that, uh, that you may be amazed. So reality four, God speaks. God speaks when he is about to accomplish his purpose. When God speaks, the person knows it's God speaking. They know that what God was saying, it was unique to that individual. They knew what God wanted done. And it's an encounter with God. In the Old Testament, God spoke through angels, visions, dreams, the erm and thummin, gentle whisper, signs. In the gospel, he speaks through his son. Today, he speaks through the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, prayer, the church, and circumstances. Through the Bible, You have to read it to know what it says. Prayer. You have to spend time, spending time with God. Remember, it is very important that you know what God wants and not quite important that God knows what you want. Prayer is considered an encounter with God. Our fellowship of other believers. We had talked about the word kononia. And circumstances. Circumstances is the least reliable It requires no effort on our part, and there is no closed-door policy. Although in the past, a prayer that's helped me, I'm less than happy. But when I think back and I reflect upon all that he's done for me through that prayer, I'm just amazed. Some of my greatest stories. When God speaks, he reveals himself. His purposes and his. If you want the God of the universe to speak to you, you need to be prepared because when he speaks, it is time to respond. And his revelation will cause a crisis of belief. Reality five crisis of belief. An encounter with God requires faith. Encounters with God are God sized. What you do in response to God's revelation reveals what you truly believe about God. In caution, others will also learn what you believe about God. 
True faith requires action, and obedience is costly. It's costly to me and to those around me. I cannot know what to, I cannot know and do the will of God without paying the price of adjustment and obedience. And I must adjust my plans to God. Reality sick makes major adjustments. Types of adjustments that might have to be made to follow God are adjustments in circumstances, such as job, home, finance, relationships, family, friends, business associates, adjustments in thinking, prejudice, methods, your potential, thinking about your past, adjustments in commitments to family, to church, job, plans, to tradition, Actions, actions on how to pray, to give, to serve. Belief, beliefs about God, his purposes and his ways, and your relationship with him. Obedience requires adjustments. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Obedience is costly to you and to those around you. And obedience requires total dependence on God to work through you. Reality 7, you experience God as you obey him. If you love God, you obey him. Obedience is the outward expression of your faith in him. And the steps to obedience are, first, you know him. Then you love him. Then you believe him. Then you trust him. And finally, you obey him. The reward for obedience is that God will reveal himself and his purposes and his ways to you. We know that God is love. His will is always best. God is all-knowing. His directions are always right. God is all-powerful. He can and will enable you to do his will. For the importance of obedience, we could go to Deuteronomy 28, which has the blessings and the curses, and that should give us an indication of how important obedience is, still is. We might ask ourselves some questions on obedience. Um, why does God work so slowly? And, and that, that requires a couple of, uh, to answer that requires a couple of internal questions. First, am I responding to all God has already revealed? Have I obeyed all that I know him, all that I know to be his will? Do I really believe he loves me and always does what is best and right? Or, Do I know better than God? Am I willing to wait patiently on his timing and then to obey? Maybe God does not give me a really big assignment because I'm not ready for it. Remember Peter, on the night of his betrayal, Peter was ready to go to the grave and then ended up denying him in public. How can I know if the revelation is from God or Satan? It's a Good question. Um, First, study God's words. Is it consistent with past revelations that were made by the Holy Spirit? Is it consistent with the Bible, the prayer, the church, and circumstances? And we should know this. God is more interested in accomplishing his kingdom's purposes than you are. He will move as fast as you can, or you will let him. God's will for the church. 
Being is more important than doing. Being the people God wants us to be is more, way more important than anything we could do for him. And so what does God want from his church? God wants us to be holy and pure, set aside, out of the world, but still in the world. He wants us to display unity and to love one another. As each individual is different, so is each church. Just as the body functions as one unit, so should the leaders and members function as one unit. They both need each other to know God's will. When making decisions, let us not ask who is for or against the proposal, because that asks us our opinion. But better would be, upon reflection, how many sense God is leading us in this direction. God's concern is for the church. Jesus is the head of the body, and we are to be Christ-centered, displaying unity and oneness of spirit and love. The 1 Corinthians 13-type love should prevail. And, And for final observations, as I summarize, God still speaks to his people, and he still expects them to obey. You do not have to think of what you can do for God. God already has a plan for your life. God-sized jobs require God. Goals should be set on what he can do and not what I think I can do. If I have an obedience problem, I have a love problem. Life is your opportunity to experience God at work. Our world will only see God when we attempt to do things only God can do. God will come to you with a God-sized assignment, and when you obey, he will bring to pass his purpose, and then people will rejoice and praise God. You cannot stay where you are and go with God, and if you can be what you never dreamed you could be. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for your word. We thank you for sending your son to save us. We thank you for, for this opportunity we had to come and worship with you. We'd ask that these words to this song would become our words, that, that I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do, that others may see your glory, and we may bring them closer to you. All of this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.